0: You know, for the most part, the judges of the Old Testament were faithful, obedient, godly people that God used to deliver Israel from their enemies. Samson, however, has proven to be just a little bit different from the rest of them. Samson lived his life not by faith. Samson lived his life by the flesh. Samson is a man who we ought to study. But Samson is not a man whose life we ought to duplicate. Physically, Samson was the strongest judge that ever lived. But spiritually, he was by far the weakest Samson spent, and this is the problem with many Christians, so if you're listening, say amen. Amen. Samson spent most of his life trying to please Samson. Y'all following me? In fact, the most significant lesson that we learn from Samson's life is that our greatest enemy is self. Our greatest enemy is self. If you and I as God's children, as the servants of the Lord, can learn to conquer self, then maybe we can walk in spiritual power and victory. But the truth is, if we're honest with one another, we're a whole lot more like Samson than we would like to admit. However, today, we're going to see Samson at his finest hour. We're going to see Samson today at his best. In fact, Samson's life never shined brighter than it does today in the three verses we're going to study. You'll never see Samson any stronger than he was at the moment of his extreme weakness that we're going to see today. He turns to God not only for help in the moment, he also turns to God for hope in the future. So as we look at Samson at his best, maybe you and I can find some lessons here that will help us be at our best our best for the glory of God. If you would, turn with me to Judges chapter 15. That's on or about page 233 in the Bibles in front of you. In Judges chapter 15, and I'm just going to be sharing with you three verses beginning in verse 18. Then he, Samson, became very thirsty. You see, he just got through whooping a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, if you remember last week, and now we see that he became very thirsty. And so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by your hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? And so God split the hollow place That is in Lehi, and water came out, and Samson drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called its name in Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day, and he judged Israel twenty years in the days of the Philistines. As we're studying Samson at his best. The first thing that I recognize in this short passage is that Samson had reached a critical condition. A critical condition. As I said, Samson had just killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And after the battle, the Bible says that he's very, very thirsty. He's hot. He's exhausted. He is dehydrated. Why? Because killing a thousand Philistines will take a lot out of you. Amen? So he's hot, he's exhausted and thirsty. In fact, it's so bad, Samson fears that he's about to die of thirst. And so God brought Samson to this point because he had a very important lesson that Samson needed to learn. Samson needed to learn that he might be able to kill a thousand Philistines all right, But he still needed God for his most basic needs in life. Samson learned that without him, we can do nothing. We would do well to learn that lesson. Without God, we can do nothing. Many times we act like we can depend upon ourselves. We we act like we can depend upon that that we have. But without Him, you and I are as helpless as babies. We're dependent upon God for the air we breathe. We're dependent upon God for the food we eat. We're dependent upon God for the water we drink. We're dependent upon God for everything that we have and everything that we might enjoy in this life. It's all about Him. And when we forget that, that we owe all that to Him, that He has provided all that for us, when we forget that, sometimes, sometimes God will remind us, amen, He will remind us that we need Him above everything else. So there's much truth, friend, in in that verse, without Him, as Jesus said, we can do what? Say it loud if you believe it. Without Him, we can do nothing. Amen. So after Samson had reached this critical condition, realizing he had come to nothing, that he was about to die, Samson cries out to the Lord. Samson cries in this moment of great weakness. Samson finally does the greatest thing that he ever could have done. He cries out to God. And in that short little 27-word prayer, Samson speaks volumes about himself and he speaks volumes about his God. So that being the case, let's take a hard look at this prayer. Let's take a hard look at this cry that Samson gave to the Lord. Well, first of all, I see that Samson's prayer was a cry of humility. This prayer was far different then the poem he wrote in verse 16. Do you remember it? Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. It seems to me that in that poem, Samson has some eye trouble. Amen? I conquered these Philistines. I have killed a thousand men. Instead of giving glory to God, what does he do? He claims all the glory for himself. Now, however, Samson has humbled himself before God and he acknowledges that unless God intervenes, he's a goner. Unless God intervenes in his life, he's going to die. Unless God intervenes, his life is over. And I think that's a good reminder for you and I of how we should approach God in our times of prayer. We should come humbly, humbly before God, remembering that He is the potter and we are the clay. Amen. We should come humbly, but we should also come remembering, listen to this, God owes us nothing. God owes us nothing, but in His grace, He promises to give us everything. That we need in this life. So we should come humbly. We should come remembering that He doesn't owe us anything. But we should also come remembering that God invites us to come into His presence boldly. Boldly. But even though we're invited to come boldly, we should still come like little children. With humble hearts and meek spirits. Asking God for the things that we need. I think our fathers can take a good lesson from Samson right here. Fathers, if you don't teach your kids how to do anything else in this life, you teach them how to pray. At the time when they can't depend on you, when they can't depend on mama, when they can't depend on their church, when they can't depend on their president, when they can't depend on their government, you know who they can depend on? They can depend on God. Amen? Fathers, teach your children to pray. And how do you teach them how to pray? You pray with them. Amen. Let them see you praying. So Samson's prayer was a cry of humility. And many dads could take that to heart. But Samson's prayer was also a cry of honor. I noticed there that not only did Samson humble himself before God, he also took the time to honor the Lord. And he did so in at least three ways. Let me give you those three ways quickly. First of all, Samson acknowledged God's power. Samson gives all the glory for the victory to God. It all goes to him. He said, you have given this great deliverance by your servant. What a tremendous lesson for me and you. Every victory in life comes by the grace of God. Amen? Every victory you have in your life comes by the grace of God. Consider this. Think of all the prayers that God has answered for you. Even the times you didn't pray for it, but you wanted it. Think of those prayers that He answered. But think of those times that He enabled you to do His will. Think of those times that He enabled you to serve Him in some ministry or another. How many times, how many times in your life has God made a way when it didn't look like there was any way, God makes a way. What a lesson for us that victory in this life comes by the grace of God. But Samson also acknowledged God's person. Not only does Samson praise God for his power, he acknowledges the very person of God. And he calls himself, Samson does, calls himself your servant. I'm no longer my own. I'm not no longer doing what I want to do. I am your servant, God. That's a good place for me and you to come to. When you realize that you are no longer your own, you are the servant of God. You are the servant of God. Finally, finally, Samson appears ready to acknowledge that God is his master. That God is his master. And that's why I say that this is Samson at his best. Why? Because he finally puts his relationship with God in its right priority. Dads, are you putting your relationship with God in its right priority? Your children need to see that God is your number one priority. That nothing not work, Not play, not recreation, not anything comes before their relationship with God. Your kids need to see that. Think about it up until this point. Samson's been the master. He's been the master of his own life, and he just gives God some of the leftovers. You ever been there, men? Giving God the leftovers? But now it appears that Samson is ready to bow. To bow to the authority of Almighty God. Friend, how about you? Are you bowing to the authority of Almighty God in your life? He has that authority. Are you humbling yourself before that authority? See, it's He alone. It's He alone that we serve. See, sometimes we forget that He's the Master and we're the servant. Sometimes we forget that. But the Bible is clear that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been purchased by the blood of Christ and we are no longer owning ourselves. No, God owns us. God owns us. God owns the exclusive rights to all of our lives. He alone has the power. He alone has the right to dictate to you what way you should go. He alone has the power and right to direct the course of your life. Why? Because he's the master and we're the servant. We need to get that right in our heads. So in his cry of honor, Samson acknowledges the very power of God, but he also acknowledges the person of God. But I also see that Samson acknowledges God's preeminence. You see, God's number one. Say amen if you believe that. God is number one. Samson is worried that he might die, that he might fall into the hands of these uncircumcised Philistines. And so he prays, God, spare me, not for my sake, but for your sake. I don't want your name dishonored. And so he prays for the Lord to spare him. So Samson's focus is no longer on himself. His focus is on the glory that's due to God. What a great place for you to be this morning. Is your focus on the glory of God in your life? Is your focus on the words that you speak to glorify God? To live for God? To have relationships uh, that are godly? Friend, I want to tell you that God should be number one in your life. That's a great lesson for us if there ever was one. Because God... Because God in His glory should be number one in our lives. That means that every decision I make, that means that every action I take should bring glory to God. Everything. You see, it's all about God. Did you know that? It's all about God. When you woke up this morning, it was all about God. As you were traveling to church this morning, you know what? It was all about God. When you leave here this afternoon, it's going to be all about God. As you go to work next week, it's going to be all about God. As you relate with your spouses, it's going to be all about God. Are you going to bring Him glory? Are you going to bring Him honor? Is He going to be number one in your life? You see, sadly, most times, if we're honest, we do as we please. We do as we please. We go where we please. We act as we please. And we don't give a single regard for how our deeds reflect on the Lord. It's a sad state of affairs. In fact, for many, even in the church, the glory of God never even flickers on the radar of their life. Do you see the problem with somebody who's claiming that God is number one? It means their words are saying one thing but their actions are doing another. But here's the goal for the child of God. This should be the goal of all of our lives. That every action, that every thought, that every word, always, say always, always exalts and brings glory to God. You see what all that encapsulates? Every word, every thought, every action exalts God and brings Him glory. That should be our goal. Day in and day out. So Samson reached this critical condition. He's about to die. And so what does he do? He cries out to the Lord. And you know what God does? He gives Samson some comfort. Samson is comforted by the Lord Almighty. Do you see what God did for Samson? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi and water came out and Samson drank and his spirit returned and he revived. So Samson's cry resulted in God's response. Can I tell you that's the case for you too? Samson's cry resulted in God's response. When Samson prayed, God heard And God answered his prayer. God made a spring of water come right out of the ground, right where Samson stood, and gave him the water that he needed to survive. Can I just say right here that I'm so thankful that we serve a God who hears our prayers, but who also answers our prayers. Did you know that God invites you to pray? He invites you to pray in Jeremiah 33.3. 3, God said, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He invites us to pray. But He also promises that when we take hold of that promise, that He will hear us when we do. When we pray, He will hear us. Isaiah 65, the Bible says, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Before they call, I will answer. And while they're still talking, I will hear. So he invites us to come into prayer. He promises to hear us when we do. But then he also promises to answer when we pray. Do you remember what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount? He said, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, say everyone, everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you that if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if his son asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? He invites us to pray, promises to hear us when we do, and He promises to answer us when we pray. Can I tell you, friend, that no prayer is too small and no prayer is too big. God wants to hear from His children. So after God responded to Samson's cry, God's blessing resulted in Samson's revival. God's blessing resulted in Samson's revival. When Samson prayed, God heard. When God heard, He answered the prayer of Samson and He gave him just what he needed in his time of need. That boy needed something to drink and he sprung up a well of water right under his feet. Like Samson, I think that you and I often need revival. We often need revival, and there are two basic times when God's people really need revival. There are times of wickedness, and there are times of weakness when we need revival. Revival. And in both of those times, in times of wickedness and in times of weakness, there's those times, friend, that we need the Lord to miraculously open His Word and give us some resources that we can have and so we can be restored and revived. You see, that's what revival is. Revival is a call to God's people. Now, many people come to Christ during a revival, but in its truest form, a revival is a call to God's people to heed the Word, to embrace its message, but also to do what it says to do. And that's often why we need revival is because we're not in the Word, we're not embracing the Word of God, and we're just simply not doing what God says to do. And so we need this revival. And there is great benefit, friend, in hearing, heeding, and honoring the Word of God. But there's only defeat. There's only defeat when you ignore what it has to say to you. James said it this way. Be doers of the Word. Not just hearers only. Deceiving yourself. Be doers of the word. So Samson reached this critical condition. He cries out to the Lord. And the Lord comforts Samson in his time of need. But y'all ready for the greatest news? Say amen if y'all ready for the greatest news. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Samson is changed by his encounter with Almighty God. It appears that Samson is finally beginning to change his ways. Finally. Can I just say right here that it's never too late to begin changing your ways. Dads, if you have been a horrible dad up until this point, starting today, you can change your ways and allow the Word of God to change you to be the greatest dad there ever was. We're told that Samson judged Israel for 20 years. For 20 years. Now, we don't know what Samson did for that 20 years. But there are two observations that I believe we can make in that verse. First of all, we need to know that it was obviously a time of obedience. It was a time of obedience. Up until this point, Samson has lived his life in dis. Obedience. But now. But now things are changing for Samson. Now it appears that he resolves that he's going to serve the Lord obediently with the rest of his life. Why? Because it's never too late. If you're still breathing, it's never too late to change for God. That's the kind of obedience, in fact, that God is looking for in His servants, in His children. I mean, God wants us to honor His will. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 14? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I say. But He also wants us to yield to His authority. In Romans 12, Paul wrote, and I say he said, dads. I can almost hear it in my ear. He says, dads, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind as to what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, our Father. He says, honor my will. He says, yield to my authority. But God also wants us to be people who will live for Him in the midst of a very wicked world. He wants us to live for Him in a perverse and corrupt generation. In Romans 13, He said, let us walk properly. Is it that hard? Let us walk properly, putting on the Lord Jesus, making no provision, zero provision, for the flesh to live in its lusts. But you know, not only was there a time of obedience, finally there was also a time of, of order. It appears for 20 years, 20 years, there was peace in Israel. Samson had conquered these Philistines. And for 20 years, both he and the people of Israel submitted themselves to the will of God. And as a result, you're never going to believe what they got. They got God's peace in their life. By submitting to the will of the Father. They receive the Father's peace. So if we want God's peace, if we want God's blessing, if we want to experience harmony in our lives, if we want to have the very best that God has in store for us, we got to learn to submit to God's will all the time, in all things, in all ways. It's just that simple, even though it's not that easy. We're simply to walk daily and consistently with God. It's like a way of life whereby we walk with Him and we yield to Him and we honor Him in everything we do day in and day out. We're not up and down. We're not in and out. We're not hot and cold. No, we're just faithful. Consistently walking with the Lord Moment by moment. That, friend, is the kind of obedience that God is looking for from you. Moment in, moment out. Walking with him, submitting to him, and honoring him in everything you do. But you know, Samson made a lot of mistakes in his life. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. All 58 years of them. Amen. But when Samson humbled himself, when Samson submitted to God, things turned around for Samson. When Bill made all those mistakes in his life, but he humbled himself before God, And he began to submit to the will of God for his life. Things changed for Bill. Things can change for you and it's never too late. If you're still breathing, God still wants to do a mighty work in you. But you know what I've really learned from this message today? I've been reminded that I can be very stubborn sometimes, don't you say a word, Yeah, I can be very stubborn sometimes. Often I want to go my own way, and I don't necessarily want to go God's way. And if I'm not careful, I can start to look a lot like Samson. But I've also learned that if I will humble myself before God, If I will submit to his will over my own will, if I will walk with him moment by moment, honoring him in my words, my actions, and my attitudes, then I can enjoy victory in my life. Can I tell you on this June 20th, I truly feel like I'm enjoying victory. God has used many of you to bring that to me. And I thank Him for it. But I realized there had to be that moment where I reached the bottom of the barrel and I had to humble myself, submit to Him, and walk with Him day in and day out. So what about you? Have you reached that place yet? Are there areas of your life, that if you're honest, you just haven't yielded to God yet? Do you think, you know what, I just need a revival. I need a revival from perhaps a time of wickedness, perhaps a time of weakness. I need a revival in my life. Has God spoken to you about some other need that's in your life? Today I want you to know that God Himself is reaching out to you. He is reaching out to you. And I say, why not respond to Him and let Him have? the way of victory respond to him